Yeah, so I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Um, not necessarily as early as the first time I got pregnant <laughs> because my first time getting pregnant was at 15 turning 16. Welcome to the Mama I Hear You podcast, stories for moms by moms. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Jamie Evans, and I have two boys, four and seven. This is a place where we can all connect and support each other by sharing our stories about all the things that come with motherhood in the early years. From the times that feel incredibly hard To the times that make you laugh out loud, no topic is off limits. So warm up your coffee again, and let's get started. I also want to let you know that this episode comes with a trigger warning. Today's story is about miscarriage and stillbirth. I know this impacts so many women. If you need someone to talk to about loss, I've provided a couple links to resources in the show notes. This story starts with a tongue ring, church, and Snapchat. But we'll get to that in just a minute. It's about Alexis, who is now 20 and has a four-month-old daughter named Liana, who you'll hear from sometimes in the background. Alexis grew up with her mom in St. Louis. Between the ages of 9 and 15, she was left home alone a lot because her mom had to work. Um, so it kind of happened, like I used to kind of rebel and do stuff. And when Alexis would rebel and do stuff, her mom would send her away. And it just got to a habit that when I would do something, I would get sent somewhere. I, that kind of sounds harsh, but like, I would go to my dad's for, (laughs) yeah, I would go to my dad's for like however long. When Alexis is just 15 years old, she's at church with her mom and her godmom. And her godmom looks over and notices something a little bit different about Alexis. Alexis had definitely done something. Yeah, so I had a tongue ring at church my godmom, she like saw it and she went and told my mom. And so I already knew what was going to happen at this point. Like I knew she was going to go through my phone once we get home because she had me ride home with my godmom. We were just going to meet her at the house. On the ride home with her godmom, Alexis was frantically deleting everything she could from her phone so her mom wouldn't find out what she was desperately trying to hide. But... Alexis ignored this one app that her mom usually didn't check. And um, so I was like trying to delete everything through my phone like I normally did. And I did that, And but I, she never used to go through Snapchat. So I didn't delete anything out of Snapchat. But my godmom, she's like with Snapchat and all sorts of stuff. And so she was going through my phone with my mom, but she was like, click on Snapchat. And then that's how she found everything. <laughs> And what she means by everything is that her mom found out via Snapchat that Alexis thought she was pregnant. So she went from thinking that you had a tongue ring to finding out that you were pregnant. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was really crazy because I didn't even 
like officially no, but she was like, do you need like a test? And I was like, yeah. So it was, it was a lot for that day. After finding out Alexis was pregnant, her mom sent her away. But when I got pregnant, my mom, she sent me to my grandma's house for the summer, I guess just to cool off, get some distance, whatever. I I guess she needed a break. I don't know. (laughs) So Alexis turned sweet 16 at her grandma's house that summer in Kentucky. But then at 12 weeks pregnant, she discovered something was wrong. I found out that there was no heartbeat. I wanted to let everything happen naturally, like pass, everything pass naturally. So a week later, I decided I wanted to go to my dad's. I wanted to have it at my dad's. Um, so he came and he picked me up. And that day he picked me up, it happened. I ended up needing surgery at DNC because I was bleeding too much. Alexis ended up staying a week or so with her dad in Ohio after her DNC surgery so she could recover and get on birth control before she went back home to live with her mom. Her family started to treat her differently after the pregnancy and miscarriage. I felt like people looked at me different. Like I wasn't this same person. It was like once they knew I wasn't a virgin or that I wasn't like perfect, it just almost like they were stepping on eggshells around me instead of just treating me like I'm still me. I've just went through some things now, you know? They just looked at me like, almost like, oh, she's going to mess up at any time now. It sounds like your family, when you say she might mess up again, that they viewed your pregnancy as a mess up. Right. I mean, you you wanted your first baby. So I think I was the only one that didn't view it as a mess up. I felt like nobody wanted my baby with me. Um, I don't know. So all my family, they've had kids young, same age, basically. My grandma, she got pregnant with my uncle at like 15, 16. And then she had my mom at like 18, 19, I think. And then my mom had me at 18, 19. <clears throat> so I don't know if it was hard for them to see that that they knew what I was going to have to go through. I don't know if that was it, but I did feel like I was the only one that wanted my baby. I just didn't feel supported. Like, I felt like it was more of they all had to help me. Like, I, it was like obligation to help me. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. Kind of still viewing you as a child. Yeah. That now they were going to. Yeah. Still take care of you and take care of the baby. Right. Yeah. And. I mean, it almost felt like they were relieved in a sense. And I mean, as much as I hate to say that, like, that's just how I felt at the time. Her family just wanted to move past it and expected Alexis to do the same. Why did you feel like you couldn't talk about it? It started to become something super taboo to talk about. Um, And being young, too, I was 16, and it was almost like, People wanted to push it under a rug. I felt like I didn't get to grieve. I felt like I had to just get over it quickly and everybody just wanted to move on. Like I was expected to move on so quick. 
I was alone, like really alone. So fast forward two years and Alexis is now 18. She meets her husband, they elope without telling her family and start trying to have a baby. Within a couple of months, she gets pregnant with her daughter, Amora, and decided it was time to break the news. With your second pregnancy, was your family more supportive? No. So we told everybody. Um, my grandma, she was she was pretty happy about it. Um, my mom was not happy at all. She just wasn't happy. She didn't, I don't know, she just didn't approve of it, really. Like, she didn't want me getting married so young. Um, Even though Alexis's mom didn't approve of her getting married and getting pregnant at 18, Alexis was excited to start a family with her husband. During the first several months of pregnancy, she had some nausea and vomiting, but overall, her pregnancy was going okay. And then one day, it was like I was in 19 weeks and like six days. One day I felt like I had to like go number two. And so like I was trying, like I was sitting on the toilet, all type of stuff. And then all of a sudden, like I'm sitting there and like just like a gush, like a big like gush, like just comes out. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, I'm thinking like, I'm just cause at first, I thought I was just peeing, but it was just, like, weird at the same time. I never felt anything like that. So <clears throat> I, like, stood up, and then I saw, like, blood, and then I called my husband in the bathroom, and he took me to the hospital. And um, they, like, were like, yeah, your water broke, but they didn't really know anything else yet. They transferred Alexis to a bigger hospital that might know how to handle what she was going through a little bit better. And there, Alexis and her husband had to make a very tough decision. They gave us the option to try to stay pregnant for four more weeks, but the risk of infection for you, like for me and the baby, it would be like super high if I waited. Like... I could have been super sick. They said like it would have been, it could have been really bad for me. Like, cause at that point, if I got an infection, um, that's like straight internal because like the, the sacs ruptured, right? I mean, a more could have been even more sick. So we just went ahead and made that decision to just go ahead and induce labor. They induced me. And um, then I had my daughter. And when she first came out, you could still see her heart beating like through her skin. Cause you know, at that gestational age, they have like a translucent like skin type. At the time of induction, Alexis genuinely still believed Amora had a fighting chance. They told us that there was like a really low like chance, but I guess somewhere in translation, we thought they would at least try, you know? But when like she was delivered, they told us like, there's nothing. They just like looked at her and put her in a swaddle. They didn't try anything. They gave her to us. And like, at first, I don't know, it was kind of like we were in shock at the moment. Like we were just so like, 
in awe of the fact that she was right here and we're grieving at this point. And it's not processing, but as we're calling our moms and stuff, like they're like, did they do anything? And we're like, no. Like, and so we call our nurses back in and stuff and like, we're like, can y'all do anything? And you know, our parents are, well, our moms are asking questions and the nurse is talking to our moms. It was kind of crazy because, you know, at 20 weeks, they don't really have anything, like, small enough, like, instrument-wise to try to help her. We didn't really know that, though, at first, but we figured it out. Um, her heart was beating for, like, like, hours after she was born. When the hospital staff had been talking to Alexis and her husband about the decision on whether or not to induce, Alexis wishes that the hospital had been more clear. It was like almost they were beating around the bush, if that makes sense. Like It does, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the time we don't have tools for this type of thing or mostly like, like it just wasn't like... I, they weren't direct. Like, I feel like in that such, like, certain situation, you need to be direct. Like, we don't have the tools for that, you know, instead of saying, like, most of the time or sometimes or, you know. How long did she live after she was born? Well, so after she was born, her heart was still beating. Like, I, we could see her heart beating. But, she, like, at 20 weeks, like, their lungs are just starting to, like, develop. So I guess technically she never, like, breathed or wasn't able to breathe, like, on her own. Alexis and her husband stayed at the hospital that day with Amora. They actually let us spend as much time with her as we want. wanted. Um, they took her for, like, a photo shoot. They did a photo shoot for us. And then... Um, we spent like maybe like 12-ish hours with her. And then they um, took her into a room while like we were getting discharged and stuff. And then they were like, if you want to, like you can say goodbye again <clears throat> before you leave. So they brought her back in there. And then we said our goodbyes and stuff. And then, um, yeah. I... I'm so sorry. It's okay. I know it's it's hard. It really is hard. Um, it's hard for people to listen to, and it's hard to go through for anybody, really. But, um, I mean, you make it. Like they had like a, um, I don't know what you call it, like a I guess partnership with the funeral home, and so they like had her cremated for us and all that stuff. So we got her cremated and we had a memorial service for her. After they left the hospital, Alexis's mind just started to race. Um, so we really started to question, like, could they have done anything else? Like, I've asked around and there was um, my sister-in-law, she asked, I think, I don't know if it was a family member or not, but she, the family member or friend, told her that they should have put her in an incubator at least, if not anything else. Um, 
or they said they, sh- they should have done something else too, but I, I can't remember what it is now. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. And actually, I do think about like, what if, like, what if I waited that four weeks to like see, or what if I tried to wait the four weeks after I was like in a really dark like state of mind, like I didn't even know like what to do with myself. Um, like I didn't know how to act or feel, and I think part of it was I was trying to fill a hole from the first time. It's almost like I don't have words for it. It's something like you can't even describe going through. It can swallow you very easily. I didn't know how I was going to function. Like, <laughs> sorry, my daughter, she's smiling at me. But I didn't know how I was going to function, <laughs> like, through that pain. She shares one of the hardest parts about losing her babies. The what ifs are terrible. Like, what if I ate healthier? What if I drink more water? Or what if I went to the hospital sooner? It's just, like, your mind just races, like, all the time. And I don't want to say, like, that pain goes away, because it really doesn't go away. But I will say that you can you can grow from it if you choose to. Where did you get your strength? Um, I don't know if you believe in God or not, but... My biggest, like, the thing that helped me hold on the most was knowing that she is in a better place. That was what pushed me, like, that's what pushed me through more than anything. Um, It was, it was hard. I mean, I mean, I still think about her every day. Alexis's mom had a different reaction to Alexis losing Amora than she did with Alexis's first miscarriage when she was 16. How did she feel when you lost your daughter? Uh, I mean, she was sad. Um, she was one of the ones vouching for us at the hospital, like on the phone, because at that time it was COVID. Nobody can come to the hospital, but... Mm-hmm. I did kind of feel like, why didn't you feel like this the first time? What do you mean by that? Like, why are you so sad? And like, like, what's the, like, why are you so sad right now? And like doing all these things now? And why didn't you do it the first time? Like, why didn't you show me these things the first time? Like, your sadness, like, your tears. Like, why why is it taking this for you to show me that instead of the first time when I was alone, like, really alone? Like, the second time I had my husband, first time I had nobody. So I was like, it was just weird for me to see the dynamic shift um, between the two. I wasn't really used to it. Um, so, yeah, it was weird. I can say that. Alexis and her husband ultimately decided to try again. 
was it hard to try again after that? After you've had two losses? Um, yeah, it was. I knew that I didn't want to go through that again. Like, I felt like I could not go through that again um, at first. And then I got to a point, I did a lot of, like, I did a lot of praying and I did a lot of faith building. And then I kind of put myself in the position to where I knew if I could get through those things then I can get through anything at that point. So I put my mind on that and I had to learn that I can't fill in those holes. Like that's not fair for me to try to fill in a hole or fair to my husband to try to fill in a hole. Because those things, they just can't, you can't replace that. Like, that's with any situation in life. You can't replace a loss of any kind, you know? So, um, it was it was hard to get to the point where we wanted to try again. About five or six months after Alexis and her husband lost Amora, Alexis got pregnant again for the third time. How do you feel once you found out you were pregnant? Like, what emotions did you have? I was actually, I was really excited to be pregnant at that time. Um, I was happy. Like, I was so excited. So, so excited. I was just thinking, finally, like, this is going to be it. This is good. I can't wait. But I guess I can say, like, I those all those feelings didn't get a chance to really settle in. Um just because I ended up losing it a couple days after I found out. So I didn't really get to like think like, okay, like this is happening. Like, I was still in like the shocks, like, oh my goodness, you know? How did you lose your third baby? Well, I'm guessing it was a chemical pregnancy. Um, nobody, none of the doctors really told me like any answers. I went to urgent care. They tested me, they told me, took some blood. Um, and then, like, a couple days later, I was bleeding, so I went to the hospital, and they told me, like, my level, like, my HCG levels were, like, 14, like, super low. And, um, so they were, like, it's most likely a miscarriage. I mean, you can go to the doctor in a couple days and see what they say. Um, and then by the time I went to my doctor, the HCG levels was, like, a 1. Were you ever scared that you just wouldn't be able to have a child. Yeah, that was a very big thought in my head. I mean, at that point, I I kind of accepted it to myself um, that that was the, like a really big possibility. Um, and like me and my husband, we talked about adoption whenever, like in the future. And I didn't really want to keep putting my body through that. Um, that's a lot for such a short time. Like, that's a lot to put on yourself. That's a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a thought in my head I definitely thought about often. Um, After her third loss, she decided she needed to do something different. And it worked. She was diagnosed with endometriosis and got treatment at a teaching hospital for three months. Three months after she finished treatment, she was pregnant with her daughter, Liana. So now 
you have a baby. I do. <laughs> she's amazing too. She's like so happy all the time. Like she's she's great. It's a lot to adjust to, but we're getting through it. <laughs> it is a lot to adjust to, um, especially especially the first time around. Can you share what you would say to a mom going through a miscarriage? Yes. If anyone, any mom is going through a miscarriage or a loss or a stillbirth, if you're losing your baby, I think that talking about it is so, so important. Um, I think that you need to, well, I'm not going to say you need to, everybody's different, but in my experience, talking about my losses helped me so much. It was almost like my words was living for them. I could tell their story. Like, I could almost, like, make something of the life that they had. Like, I could... Yeah. Um, like, it was almost something, like, uplifting about it. Taking something so, like, raw and like emotional and relating it to women and like letting it be known like that type of trauma isn't talked about enough and it happens so often like it's like one in four women I think in a miscarriage that's common like that's really common and people don't talk about it also hearing other people's stories that helped me a lot too. No matter how early or how late the loss is, it's still a loss. Like your feelings matter. There's, for me, I felt like, like I would have women, they would text me and be like, how, you know, like, how do you get through this? And they would say like, oh, I wasn't as far along as you, like when I lost Samora 20 weeks. And I would tell them like, no, like that doesn't matter. Like your pain is valid. Like. No matter how early it was, it's still a loss. Like, you still have those same what ifs. Alexis's mom did try to support her when she lost Amora, but there's still a lot of leftover pain from when Alexis felt alone growing up and with her first miscarriage at 16. I wondered if their relationship had gotten any better now that she has Liana. Me and my mom have such a weird relationship just because, like I told you earlier, I was alone a lot. We don't really have a little relationship. Like, I don't even know how to, like, act when I'm with her, if that makes sense. It's just almost, like, awkward. I'm not going to try to make you be somebody you're not. If I know, like, I can tell you feel some type of way without you saying you feel some type of way, but I don't need you to explain yourself like I don't really want you to explain yourself because it's gonna hurt me more I don't know if that's me trying to um walk around pain or what but I don't even know that's a healthy thing but um it's what I do thank you so much for listening to this episode I need your help To help this show get in front of more mama listeners who might benefit from these stories, please follow, rate, and review the podcast. Go to mamaihearyou.com 
on whatever device you use to listen to your podcasts and click on the button that says rate this show. That's M-A-M-A-I-H-E-A-R-Y-O-U.com. Also at MamaIHearYou.com, there is one of my favorite things. You can record your answer to the fun question of the month, such as, where do all the missing socks go? The answers will be pieced together in upcoming episodes with some of the best answers shared on Mama I Hear You's Instagram page and in the Facebook group. And finally, I would love to hear from you. At the website, you can leave me an audio message about the show or just motherhood in general, as well as fill out a short form if you'd like to share your own motherhood story on the show. Thank you again for listening and I look forward to connecting with you.